get an amen? <laughs> amen. Good evening, Central Park Baptist Church. Good evening to you all. How are we doing this evening? You doing good? Amen and amen. If you're able to rise, we would love for you to join us in our opening hymn, hymn 66. Hymn 66, happiness is the Lord. Hymn 66, happiness is the Lord. And then we'll have an opening word of prayer. next hymn I'm going to go to hymn 479 hymn 479 I am resolved if you have happiness in the Lord then you can have resolve amen hymn 479 I am resolved are we there sing along I am resolved no longer to linger charmed by the world Things that are nobler, they have alert my sight. And I will hasten, I will hasten to him. Hasten so glad and hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee. I am resolved to go to 
to follow the Savior, faithful and true each day. He what he saith, do what he willeth. He is the living way. And I will hasten. Sunday? All right, good, good. Get, get them out real quick. All right, now put them right back up. <laughs> Look over them, ladies. Don't forget Friday, okay? Uh, we're leaving. Uh, was it, is it five o'clock? Y'all know five o'clock, Miss Meyer? Okay, leaving at five o'clock, so you need to be here uh, by 4.30 so you can get your stuff loaded up and everything. So please be here ready to go. About 4.30, so we can leave at 5, okay? Uh, also, I, wanna, I want you to encourage you to start praying for our mission conference coming up in October. Uh, you know, Sunday, it'll be the 10th already of September. So please, let me encourage you to pray for our mission conference coming up uh, that God will uh, bless and uh, help us with that, all right? And uh, may, we're having lunch or dinner every evening, so at 5.30, uh, if I mean, we'll have a sign-up sheet out there for that when it gets a little bit closer. But I ask you to pray with us about that. Brother Brother Cato's going to be here that week. Um, he's going to show a bunch of slides and things, our video from not only just VBS, but his ministry. So you'll want to you'll want to see that, all right? Uh, and then, of course, Sight and Sound is coming up uh, October 19th and 20th. That's just around the corner. If you think you might like to go, please sign up because I've, I've got to make... Uh, reservations for that and they purchase the tickets and everything so uh, we need to need you to have your name on that list out there if you'd like to go as quickly as possible uh, so that we can start making uh, arrangements for that all right uh, now <clears throat> well before we go to the prayer list let me if you want to go ahead and get that out um, this uh, this past Monday and Tuesday we were we were in a uh, went to a it wasn't necessarily a mission conference, but it was a um, kind of a mission Bible conference in Rogers, Arkansas. I drove up uh, Sunday uh, evening after church and uh, was there. Great, the, the preaching was excellent. Amen. 
and I was able to, uh, the pastor there was a former professor or teacher at, at Heartland, been at that church for about uh, four or five years, but they have a ministry where they print, um, uh, they have been printing uh, a translation of the, our King James Bible into a Bible for Vietnamese and Laos and things of that nature. And they, um, they in fact, they've raised already $100,000 for that project. And they've already sent from, from the things that I heard while we were there uh, about uh, a container, I think maybe two containers of Bibles already over in that area. Some of the areas, some of them are John Romans that they have done that we do on our for Saturdays, uh, but they were uh, they were they didn't ask for money or anything like that, but they did hand out a card if, if folks would like to help uh, for, uh, put those Bibles in, and I, I brought all of that information back, and I I thought you know Brother Marco's been over to Vietnam and has helped start some churches there. And I thought, man, that'd be an awesome thing, get some Bibles, you know, and take over there kind of deal. And, and I showed Brother Marco the uh, information, the pamphlet that I had. He goes, oh, I know that guy. He is a good guy, you know. And I said, well, amen. I said, well, I'm glad you thought he, you knew him. But because all the information that I gathered uh, uh, for those Bibles and things of that nature, King James, kind of, now it's, it's the translation they got is from our King James Bible. Uh, so uh, they were they were needing some help uh, with that. So I gave them a thousand dollars to help them uh, from Central Park. We God's blessed, and uh, and we're able to do that. But I want I, I need to tell you, and uh, you say, well, you already gave it. I know, but I knew that you would be okay. Anything that we can do to get a good uh, King James translation kind of Bible into the hands of people, Amen. I'm I'm all for it. Amen. And then to come back and Brother Marco said, man, I've known this guy for years. He's a good, solid Bible guy, you know. And I thought, well, praise the Lord. The Lord just, uh, you know, confirmed what I had already thought. So, uh, you know, we still got to go through the technical part that we send that to him. And everybody in favor of sending them $1,000 to help with the Bible, say amen. 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 Well, I appreciate that. And, and I'm thankful for that, that God and you have given me the, the liberty uh, to be able to do that uh, as the representative of Central Park. Listen, I'm thankful that I can, that we as a church can be a part of a ministry like that, uh, that prints Bibles. They showed a video. This guy's been in, I don't know how many places already over there that has helped uh, set up churches and things like that. It was an amazing thing. And uh, um, and that's a, that's a privilege that God has given me. I get to go see that, but I want to come back and do my best to give it to you uh, because one thing that I believe that God blesses a mission-minded church, Amen. absolutely. I think everything goes forward through the local church, uh, but He also does that through uh, uh, people that are mission-minded in reaching the lost for the cause of Christ. So uh, I'm thankful for that. I'll I'll get more information. We'll put it out here so that you can see that. If you want to go to the website, it's Colonial. Baptist Church in Rogers, Arkansas is the name, and it's Best B period E period S period T period Missions. So uh, Best Missions. So look that up, um, and you can, if you want to have any more information, just ask Brother Marco about that, all right? Uh, prayer sheet. Uh, let me, just a couple of real quick things. Um, please uh, continue to pray for Ms. Martin. She's doing 
uh, she's doing well. She did fall. The, uh, you know, it wasn't the door that did it. She got inside and turned and caught her foot and tripped and, and fell. Well, in, in so doing, she uh, cracked her pelvis. So, uh, so, but, and of course, you know, there's not anything you can do about that. It just has to heal. So uh, she's going to a physical therapy place, and uh, uh, I think up here uh, by the hospital. So please pray for her. She's doing good and good spirits, but uh, just wanted to kind of give you an update and ask you to continue to pray for her. Pray for all of these folks that are on the prayer sheet on health. Please remember them. Remember to pray for Brother Gene Harmon. I haven't heard anything about how his surgery went uh, this last week uh, as he had uh, sur uh, surgery for cancer, but I pray that you'd please uh, uh, pray for him. We've got a new prayer letter out here. Uh, I want you to th through his uh, mission work uh, there where he's at. Uh, but So I want to encourage you, read them. They, they, and, and we're going to try to get some, start reading uh, some uh, portions of these missionary letters to you because not everybody will stop by out there and read them. Yeah. We come in and it's right. We come right to our pew, and then when it's time to leave, we're we're out. The, we shake hands, fellowship a minute, and we go right by the mission board. But I'm those folks' lives are important. Yeah. Amen. And uh, they're doing a great work, and that's why they're on this board back here. So please stop and read them. I'm they are going through things unimaginable to you and I. So please keep them. Uh, in your prayers, all right? Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer and uh, pray for the rest of our service tonight and pray for these that are uh, on our list. Dear Father, we thank you, Lord, for prayer. I'm thankful, God, today that we serve and worship a prayer-answering God. I'm thankful, Lord, if we'll just stop and spend some time in prayer, Lord, and just be still and, uh, God, allow you to speak to us through the presence of that still, small voice of you, dear Holy Spirit of God that dwells in us. Lord, you'll speak to us, and you'll, uh, Lord, that you'll help us, God, in, in the places where we need help. You'll comfort us, Lord, where we need comfort and strengthen us, God, where we need strength. And God, I'm thankful that you'll give us wisdom, Lord, when, when we ask you for wisdom and direction in this whole life. And so, God, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to be uh, prayer warriors, that we'll be saints of prayer, God, for the cause of Christ and for one another. I pray, God, for our missionaries, Lord, that you'd please be with them and God, all around the world, and uh, Lord, as we get ready to have our mission conference, Father, I pray, God, that you'd please be with these missionaries that are coming. I pray, Father, that you'd, uh, Lord, help them and impress upon their hearts the messages that, God, that we need. Lord, we also have a church planter that's coming, and I pray, God, that you'd help us with that and understand the importance, God, of starting uh, new uh, independent New Testament Baptist churches, Lord, and so uh, God, I pray uh, for our mission conference, Lord, for your hand to be upon us. God, I pray, Lord, for Ms. Martin, Lord, for her health, and uh, pray, God, that you'd strengthen her. Uh, God, as well as all these other folks on our on our prayer list, uh, God, and their health. Lord, there's several, Lord, that need strength and help, uh, Lord, with health concerns. God, I pray for them and ask you, dear Holy Spirit, to move upon their hearts, upon their bodies, Lord, and God, if it be your will, I pray, God, that you'd heal them, Lord, in, in a miraculous way, uh, thanking you, God, for what you're going to do. Lord, thank you for our people tonight. Bless them, Lord. Uh, I pray, God, that this, this offering, you'd bless the gift and the giver. God, help us, Lord, to be mission-minded. Thank you for this ministry that you've allowed us to be a part of and, and uh, uh, getting these 
uh, Bibles to people who've never had a Bible. Lord, folks that don't even know uh, anything about John Romans. And uh, Lord, I'm, I'm thankful for this ministry that they do this. And I pray, God, that you'd bless that offering that you have allowed us to give. And Lord, may it be used to reach souls for the cause of Christ. Thank you, Lord, again. Bless this offering. Bless the gift and the giver, and we'll be mindful to give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have an offering, you please come. so excited that Central Park is involved in uh, providing Bibles and uh, the Word of God uh, to other uh, people in different languages. I always say that the best way to keep God's Word is to what? Give it away. The best way to keep God's Word is to give it away. And uh, we may never know this side of heaven what a blessing uh, our contribution will be to, to those people who will finally be able to have the Word of God in, in their own language. Amen. And guess what? If they believe in the same Jesus we believe to, they're a part of the family of God. Amen? Hymn 4, uh, excuse me, hymn 542, hymn 542, the family of God. Let's sing a verse in the chorus of the family of God. And then please briefly greet each other as we prepare for the Bible study. The family of God, hymn 542, sing along. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family. First Samuel, First Samuel 19, uh, we'll begin reading in verse 8, and if you would please, in honor of reading the inspired, infallible, inerrant, preserved Word of God, if you'll stand, if you're, if you're able, and as we read these verses of Scripture, beginning in verse 8, we'll read down through the, uh, through the end of the chapter, all right? Found your place, amen. 
Amen. So then there was uh, war again, and David went out and fought with Philistines and slew them with a great slaughter, and they fled from him. And the evil spirit from the Lord was upon Saul as he sat in his house and with his javelin in his hand, and David played with his hand, and Saul sought to smite David even to the wall with the javelin. But he slipped away out of Saul's presence, and he smote the javelin into the wall, and David fled and escaped that night. Saul also sent messengers unto David's house to watch him and to slay him uh, in the morning. And Michael, David's wife, told him, saying, If thou save not thy life tonight, tomorrow thou shalt be slain. So Michael let David down through a window, and he went and fled and escaped. And Michael took an image and laid it in the bed and put a pillow of goat's hair for his uh, bolster and covered it with a cloth. And when Saul sent messengers to take David, she said, he's sick. And Saul sent the messengers again to see David, saying, bring him up to me in the bed that I may slay him. And when the messengers were come in, behold, there was an image in the bed. And that's what's funny. They took the whole bed and everything. You know, you can see that because it says, when the messengers were come in, behold, there was an image. They didn't even know it wasn't David. All right? So, the, and behold, there was an image in the bed with a pillow of goat's hair for his bolster. And Saul saw, uh, said unto Michael, Why hast thou deceived me so, and sent away mine enemy that he has escaped? Michael answered Saul, He said unto me, Let me go. Why should I kill thee? So David fled and escaped and came to Samuel, uh, to Ramah, and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he went and Samuel, or, and he, and Samuel went and dwelt in Naoth. And it was told Saul, saying, Behold, David is at Naoth and Ramah. And Saul sent messengers to take David. And when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying and Samuel standing as appointed over them, the Spirit of God was upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. And when it was told Saul, he sent other messengers, and they prophesied likewise. And Saul sent messengers again a third time, and they prophesied also. Then went he also to Ramah and came to a great well that is in CQ, and he asked and said, Where are Samuel and David? And one said, Behold, they are at Naoth in Ramah, or Ramah. And he went hither to Naoth in Ramah, and the Spirit of God was upon him also, Saul. And he went on and prophesied until, until he came to Naoth in Ramah. And he stripped off his clothes also and prophesied before Samuel in like manner and lay down naked all that day and all that night. Wherefore they say, Is Saul also among the prophets? And Father, I pray that you'd help me. God, there's a lot going on here, and I pray, God, that you'd help me as we go through this in the next few minutes, that we might glean from it, Lord, those things that will help us and strengthen us, Lord, but also challenge us as uh, saints of God, and, and Lord, we'll give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Verse 11, David here is, uh, or Michael is telling David that, if he didn't get away, if he didn't leave that night, she was telling him, tomorrow, you'll be dead. And so Saul, he's a pretty clever guy, he, but, uh, but he's met his match uh, with his daughter. Because if you look in verse 12, again, it says, So Michael let David down through a window, uh, and he went and uh, fled and escaped. Now, first thing I want you to see is the window, verse 11. It tells us that Saul's 
uh, that Saul has sent these messengers to watch David's house and to slay him in the morning. We talked a little about the morning last week. Uh, and so the messengers, here they are, they're standing, uh, watching or at the front door. And while they're watching the front door, Michael helps him out the window and he escapes. And, and I got, actually, this is one of three uh, great window escapes in the Bible. Amen. Think about it. The first one is in Joshua chapter 2, verse 15. You remember when the spies of Joshua were trapped in Joshua's house, and you remember Rahab. She helped him helped them get out. The second window escape is the one here in, in our text. And, and then the third one that we find is in Acts chapter 9 and then 2 Corinthians chapter 11, where Paul escapes out of a window in Damascus. Now, none of these escapes, and when I was thinking about these great escapes, I thought about the old movie. Great Escape. If you've never seen that, it's a classic. You ought to watch it. Uh, but, but none of these escapes have ever made the headlines. They've made God's Word for a purpose, but they wouldn't make headlines today. But the thing about it is, though, they worked. And, and, and when I thought about this, I thought, you know, God, that's the way He works. He doesn't often use ways that are impressive to the flesh. He often uses, or most times uses, the simple things. The Bible says God uses the simple things to do what? To confound the wise. He uses the ordinary to accomplish the extraordinary. That's why I believe the Lord uses the, His 12 apostles to, literally, the Bible says, to change the course of the world, turn the world upside down. But I think also God does this to show just how simple it is for Him to defeat Satan. Listen, that's no problem for God to defeat Satan. We sometimes think that, man, Lord, this is a pretty big thing, you know. But wait a minute. What's big and what's a big problem to God? God can do anything. With all, God, it, all things are possible with God. But I think another reason why God does this is to encourage you and me as believers uh, who sometimes don't have impressive means to accomplish God's work. Listen, we do not need something that's impressive in, the, in either our minds or in the minds of people to get God's work done. All we need is the power of Almighty God, period. That's all we need. Uh, God simply needs a person who's willing to be filled with the Spirit of God so that God can use him. And if you're willing to be used of God, listen, God, uh, the Holy Spirit of God will fill us and He will help us to accomplish what He wants us to do. So I think that's another reason. But notice in verse 13, you read about this image. The image here, the Hebrew word is teraphim, and it means idol, all right? These idols, they're, they're in all different sizes, all right, some, some are big, some are small. For example, if you look back over in Genesis chapter 31, it, you remember, remember Rachel uh, when she hid this image from Laban? She hid it on the camel. And, and listen, that was a small one. So we, so we see that they, they can come in small sizes. But here, uh, in this case, Michael 
has this image. It's probably about the size of a bust. It probably has a head and, and part of the shoulders on it. And, and Michael takes it and dresses it up and puts it in the bed. The Bible says she puts goat's hair on it uh, to make it look like it's David. And she fixes it all up to try to make it look like David is sick. Now, the fact, now watch this, what's interesting to me here, the fact that she has this image literally tells me that her and David are not on the same page spiritually. Amen. Uh, listen, God help us in our homes to do the best that we can do to be on the same page when it comes to spiritual matters. Be careful. Um, one of the main reasons that couples get divorced today, it's over religion, spiritual things. And this is why God tells a believer not to be unequally yoked together with a non-believer. Listen, uh, we're seeing this here, and this is going to play out in some different ways here, but Michael has this image in the house of David, and, and, it, and it's taken them both in two different directions. But notice verse 14. We see the image, but notice these words here. David didn't come out of the house. And, and let me go ahead and, and look back, and, and let's read verse 14. When Saul sent messengers to take David, she said, he's sick. Now, Michael, uh, she's, she's trying to help her husband, but I want you to get this. David doesn't come out of the house when the watchmen are expecting him to come out. Uh, the morning comes, David doesn't come out, and Michael tells them that he is sick. And what she tells them may have helped her and may have helped David in the moment, but listen, lying is never justified, period. Come on, y'all still here, say amen. Yeah, lying is never justified. In fact, the ironic thing here is that Saul lied to David about his daughters. Amen. Think about it. Now, Saul's daughters are lying to him about David. It's amazing, isn't it? Huh. Somebody ought to write a verse in there about, I don't know, reap what you sow or something like that. You know, but we don't want to say that. We say, you know, what goes around comes around. Well, God said it a long time ago. Uh, but. Uh, Saul doesn't learn. Look in verse 15. It says, And Saul sent the messengers again to see David, saying, Bring him up to me in the bed. Don't worry about waking him up. He's sick. Just go ahead and bring him in the bed. You know? I'll just kill him in the bed. Don't want to wake him up before he dies. Amen? We'll just take care of it right there. And, and, and watch this. Notice... The thing I want you to see here, though, is, is that is to, to point out the progression of sin, all right? Um, not just in Saul's life, but in everybody's life. Sin unchecked will eventually destroy you as a child of God. Let me say that again. Sin unchecked in, a, in your life as a child of God will destroy you. Amen. Saul's gone, and we talked about this, from secret sin to unashamed and open sin, to now he's willing to take a man who is sick in the bed and kill him. See the progression? Yeah. If sin, listen, if sin is not taken care of immediately, 
You, you, you want to know why David was, I believe, was a success in a lot of ways? When he got wrong, he got right. We have a tendency to think, well, you know, that's not so bad. I'll, do, I'll, I'll fix it up. Lord, I'll take care of that later. No, wait a minute. Be careful. Sin unchecked and the child of God's life will destroy you. Amen. Yeah. And if you don't take care of it immediately, sooner or later, you're going to find yourself doing the things that you never thought you'd do simply because you didn't take care of it. Look in verse 17. Uh, What I thought here is Saul's whining. He says, and Saul said to Michael, why hast thou deceived me so? Sent away my enemy that that he might escape. I can just see him. He's just all pitiful, you know. I mean, so he's whining to Michael, his daughter, about how she has tricked him and deceived him. (laughs) Really? He says, why hast thou deceived me? What a hypocrite. Are you still here? How long has Saul been deceiving everybody to this point? Even his own family. And now he's rebuking his daughter. Listen, the way way he's living, he has no business rebuking anybody. Listen, there's an old saying that says, listen, uh, sweep up on your own doorstep before you start sweeping on somebody else's. You know, that's why God said that, uh, that examination, uh, you know, judgment begins at the house of God. Listen, God help us. If we're going to start telling people how to live right, how they ought to do, and all these kind of things, we need to make sure that we are doing the right thing. Amen. Well, Saul is he's trying to rebuke his daughter. But again, this is what hypocrites do. They see somebody else's fault, somebody else's sin, but they don't see their own. Uh, But Saul is reaping what he has sown. In verse 17, he's justifying and he's he's rationalizing his own actions. And he says again, why hast thou sent away mine enemy that he is escaped? First of all, David is Saul's enemy because of sin. Not David's sin, Saul's sin. Saul has been disobedient to God. David, watch, as Jonathan has already pointed out, uh, has, has done nothing to Saul. Neither one of these guys have done anything wrong. And yet here's Saul. He's trying to kill him. So he, and, and yet he's whining about it. And he says, why hast thou sent away mine enemy? The second thing here, Saul is expecting Michael to betray her husband. He doesn't put any uh, value on the bond of marriage. But wicked people, let me read it, but wicked people think in wicked and strange ways. Ways that make no sense and have no logic and it seeks only to destroy, only. Michael's response in verse 17, watch, is she lies more. Uh, she's just practicing Saul's ways. I mean, and we're going to look at this later, that, that her lie, it, it, listen, it multiplies her trouble. It doesn't solve her trouble. You see, because when you lie, somebody is always going to get hurt. Listen, truth is always best, right? Truth is always best. In, in the case of Michael, watch, uh, Michael hurts David's reputation 
and it gives Saul, listen, a justified reason for hurting David down the road. And it just justifies what Saul is trying to do in killing David. It just gives Saul a little more fuel to the fire, if you will, because, because Michael's lying. Notice Saul, something else about Saul in verse 18. Saul is relentless. Listen, he doesn't give up. Yeah, I mean, here in Michael, she lies to Saul, trying to help David, and it just gets worse. Listen, sin is relentless. Listen, it just grows and gets worse and worse. And, and David's escape, it, when Michael let him down out of a window, uh, resulted only in Saul plotting another way to try to catch and kill David. It didn't stop him. He's going he's gonna to continue on. Listen, that's what sin does if it goes unchecked. It continues on and grows in our life. And this time, in fact, Saul's going to send out a search party. He sends them out to Naoth of Ramah where David has went to find, listen, where David has went to try to get away, but, but Saul sends them there to find and kill David. You know, Saul says, man, I can't kill him in the bed, and so I'm, I'm just going to, I mean, Saul, it sounded like Saul was going to do it himself. He said, bring them here to me in the bed, and now since Saul can't do it, he sends somebody else to do the dirty work. Listen, you got to be careful with people out of the will of God. They'll always try to send someone else to do their dirty work. And they'll be trying to justify it through you when you're doing it. Oh, it'll be okay. It's really a good thing. You go ahead. You know, but if you get in trouble, be careful. Well, Saul sends them out. Look in verse 18. We read earlier, you remember in, verse, in, in Psalm 59 of David's wisdom and, and uh, seeking God for help in a time of trouble. Well, here we see David exercising wisdom uh, when he goes to, to Samuel. And remember, Samuel represents the Word of God. Samuel is God's representative. And being with Samuel is a good place for David. It's a place to get some wise counsel. And it's also a place to get some good spiritual fellowship. David literally is a wise in the decision because he goes to the right place. And to put it in a, a way that we can kind of get it a little bit better, David, in a time of trouble and trials, he went to God's Word and to church for some help and some counsel. Nowadays, people get in trouble, and the first thing they do is they quit going to church. Oh, God, listen, I gotta, I've got some trouble in my family. Preacher, when this all gets fixed up, I'm going to be back to church. Listen, you may not. That's the worst thing somebody can do, especially a Christian. The thing that we need to do when we are having trouble or trials in our life, listen, is go to God's house where we can get in the presence of the Spirit of God and get around some uh, of God's people and sing songs of praise and uh, about the things of God and listen to the Word of God being preached and proclaimed so that we can get some help. And that's exactly what David's doing. He goes to the right place. And, and listen, and by, I have really a hard time understanding why believers anyway have a, a difficult time choosing to be around God's people and God's word uh, when they ha have the opportunity. Yeah, I've just, listen, I enjoy getting around good preaching. 
That's why I went drove five hours that somebody invited me to that conference up in Rogers, Arkansas. You know, I went, and man, it was awesome. I heard a, a, a preacher preach that I've never heard before from out in California. His name is Alan Wong. He pastors out there in the, one of the worst places you could ever pastor. He was telling the preachers, he said, listen, my, and, has, and by the way, he has a big ministry. But he says, one thing where we have our church is you don't want to stop at a light. And I'm thinking, really? I mean, I'm thinking, what's going on here? He said, listen, in our city, more catalytic converters are stolen than are sold in a day. <laughs> I thought, my word. And the preacher friend of mine that, I, that, that invited me, I'm thinking, he said, brother, let me tell you something. This is a rough area. And, and I'm, you know what they're doing? They're reaching people for Christ. And I thought, my word. But he preached. God blessed people at the altar. I'm, I learned about a ministry who are, who's printing Bibles for people who don't have one. And I'm thinking, man, what a great opportunity. Yet, listen, sometimes we think, man, driving 20 minutes somewhere is a hard time. God help us. When I have a church, a chance to get a, go to church and be around God's people, I want to be there. And so should we. I didn't get very many amens, but it's the truth. Yeah. Look in verse 20. Saul, and the verse says, those who live, or excuse me, verse 20, tell, let me read it. Let me get back. It says, um, and Saul sent messengers to take David. And when they uh, saw the company of the prophets prophesying and Samuel standing as appointed over them, the Spirit of God was upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. Now, remember, I want you to see that we're going to see this principle that God said, those who live righteously shall suffer persecution. All right? This is, right, this is really going to come into play for David. David goes to Samuel's house, a prophet of God's house. Uh, and yet, here's Saul. Saul finds out that David is at Samuel's house, a man of God. I'm, David, or, or Saul knew who Samuel was. He's acquainted with Samuel. Yet, Saul sends messengers there, servants, after David to capture him and kill him at the house of Samuel. Now, I, I don't know about you, but... When I read that, I thought we're witnessing in our day, in a society where we live, in a society that we live in, that nothing is sacred or off limits anymore. It's, it, it, I mean, the ungodly and the evil, it doesn't matter if it belongs to a church or not. They're going to break in and they're going to steal it. They're going to set up out here like it's a, a work crew, and they're going to break the latch off, get in, and they're going to steal your lawnmower, your trailer, and, and, and listen. And they don't care. Nothing's off limits. Uh, when people break in and they steal, when evil people break in without hesitation, they come into churches and attack the people that are inside worshiping. Where evil people break into schools and government buildings. And they talk about rights. They talk about dignity as long as the godly and the righteous people aren't involved. Yeah. 
So here's Saul. He doesn't hesitate to go to the prophet's house to seek the life of David. I mean, he sends them right up. But notice in verse 20, God moves in. I like this part. God has uh, another means of keeping David safe from Saul. And you read there and you find the word prophesy. It says, and when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying, and Samuel standing as appointed over them, the Spirit of God was upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. This, now listen to me close, this is not an ecstatic speaking. Most people would read that. They would not take any time to sit down and see what's going on. They wouldn't read the context. They wouldn't, they wouldn't uh, look up the definition of the word, and they would think, man, they're all out there speaking in tongues. They are not. Are you still with me? Say amen. amen. Yeah. Uh, when the prophet spoke, now th- watch this. It, when a prophet spoke, it's ju- usually, generally accompanied by very, uh, what this word meant, animated speaking. And, this, and so this word came to be associated with a, uh, 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 let, let me get back, with a prophet's ministry. The word prophesy or prophesying here, it means to cause, to bubble up. I thought that was pretty interesting. And I thought, man, it means to bubble up with the Spirit of God and they became animated in their speaking. Well, the Bible says for a preacher to lift up your lift up his voice like a like a flute. Oh, that's, that's not what it says. God's word says to lift up your voice like a trumpet. Listen, and that means and, and what's going on here? And I want you to see this. The spirit of God has is upon this upon Samuel and upon those that are there. And listen, and 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 Samuel and there. You know what they're doing? They're having church. And the Spirit of God moves in, and the preacher, listen, and he just bubbles up. Have you ever seen? I, sometimes I, I ask the Lord, listen, Lord, just help me bubble up a little bit from the inside out. Listen, where they get, I get excited about what God's doing and, and, and excited about the Word of God, and, and, and the Spirit of God begins to move. And then, the, listen, the Bible said it's by the foolishness of preaching that people get saved. You know what happens? The Spirit of God moves into the man of God, and he begins to bubble up from the inside out, and he gets a little bit excited about what he's talking about. So they come up, and they, they're all bubbling up, they're animated in their speaking, and Saul and his men, watch, they are, they are filled, are, are, are just in, uh, the, the Holy Spirit of God moves upon them, and, and listen, and, 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 and they, all of a sudden, they're, they're doing what these guys are doing. You know what's happening? The Spirit of God is protecting David. Amen. I mean, we're seeing that God is beginning to work. And, and in fact, every time Saul sent more men to go get David, the Spirit of God overcame them, and they began to experience this same spell, if you will, of prophesying. They, all of them began to bubble up, and, 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 they were, and that literally means they were singing and they were reciting with the prophets. 
they began to, the Spirit of God began to move in them, and they started singing whatever they were singing. I don't know, maybe they were singing Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And they began to bubble up on the inside. Listen, I've always said, if you'll catch on fire with the Spirit of God, there'll be some people that'll come and watch you burn. Well, here they are. Uh, they come, they have an ulterior motive, but God is in control. And Saul, he shows up. He's thinking, man, if, you know, if you want something done right, you just got to do it yourself. These people, they, I mean, I sent them up there and all they need. All, I, I can, I, you can see it even in today's society. Man, you, listen, them people up there, they just, they're in church and man, they just think that all that, I'll go up there and I'll take care of it myself. I mean, a bunch of holy rollers, a bunch of deacons, a bunch of church people. I'll just go kill him myself. Well, Saul gets up there, and the same thing happens to him. In fact, if you read there, Saul got the biggest dose. And, uh, and he, the Bible says, he, he, he's not naked with no clothes, by the way. That means Saul just took off his kingly garments. And he's out there in his t-shirt or what, you know, if you will, his, his undergarments. And, uh, and our undergarments today aren't like theirs. Uh, but he he's, he's does not have on his kingly garments and and, and he's out there uh, worshiping the same way these guys are because of the Spirit of God. And, and in fact, the obvious signs are that God is showing up and Saul, it should have woke him up to the fact that God is preventing them and Saul from trying to kill David. Uh, they should have he, they should have known, and, and Saul should have known. Listen, Saul at one point was a, 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 a king, and he was in the will of God, and, and, and he, should have, he should have seen that. But Saul is so far out of the will of God, and he is, he is so rebellious, and he's so bent with jealousy and rage, he can't even recognize the moving of the Spirit of God. A lot of Christians are that way. Listen, Saul... Uh, just ignores the hand of God and his stubbornness. Listen, it, it, he's going to continue to try to kill David. We've been studying about this with, with the Pharaoh and Moses. Listen, Pharaoh is so blind and stubborn to, uh, to, the, to the very signs that God is trying to show him something. And, and listen, God's trying to show Saul the same thing and say, listen, stop. Parents, have you ever told your kids, stop? You're headed for trouble. If you keep going this way, you're going to regret it. Stop. And then they keep right on going like a train wreck. You can see it coming, but there's nothing to do. Well, we're seeing it here. Listen, sin makes people blind to their situation. And God shows them time after time in a plain and powerful way that, that opposing God is futile, yet yet they still continue in their path and they're still uh, rebellious against God. Listen, but, watch this, the rebellious do not respond to reasoning. No matter how logical or how sound or how biblical you may be, 
rebellion or rebellious people do not respond to reasoning. I'll give you some good example. If you go back to 2 Kings chapter 1, you read about Ahaziah, you remember, who kept sending soldiers up to try to capture Elijah. Remember that story? And the, the first group goes up there, and, and guess what happened? Fire from heaven comes down and burns them all up. Well, um, Ahaziah sends another group. <laughs> and same thing. I think it's like three groups that he sends up there, and they're all burned up. And the fourth group, he sends up, before they get too close, they're going, wait a minute, wait. We know that these other guys have got all burned up. Please don't kill us. Listen, Ahaziah was so blind to the moving of God, he still wanted his way. Rebellion is self-destructive. Personally, when it comes to this situation with David, I would have wanted God to intervene sooner than later. Amen? I mean, um, I, in fact, I would want him to intervene sooner, but also a long way away from where I'm at. You know? But, and I can, I'm thinking, you know, these messengers, they've come up to David. I mean, they've come right to Samuel's house. But they keep coming. But God permitted them. Listen to me. Watch this. God permitted the enemy to uh, literally to knock on the door of, of, of Samuel before he stepped in to rescue David. What a test of David's faith. Can you get this? I want you to try to picture this. Sometimes God waits until trouble is at our doorsteps before he steps in. But it doesn't mean that he's not going to help us. It just means that just have faith and trust God. Sometimes trouble comes right to our doorstep. And sometimes trouble is going, hey, I'm here. You know, I'm right. I'm not. I want in. Open the door. Wait a minute. God just sometimes waits to see if we're going to trust him and have faith in him. Same thing with David. Sometimes we don't want to wait. And we take things in our own hands. But God does this in order to strengthen our faith and, and to glorify Him. Look in verse 24. Notice what it says. We're almost done. It said, and he stripped off his clothes and prophesied before Samuel like man and lay down uh, that night naked and all day that night. Wherefore, they say, is Saul also among us? The fact that Saul and his men, watch, came under the power of the Holy Spirit of God, it doesn't mean they were converted. It doesn't mean that now they were uh, prophets of God as well. And, and we see this because the question was asked, is Saul also among the prophets? In other words, did he get right? Did he repent? No, absolutely not. This was, this was only an outward effect on them. It was not an inward effect. They did not leave this place with their, with their hearts changed. They didn't leave this place with their behavior different. But like a lot of false preachers today, listen, uh, God, watch what God says in Matthew 7. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? That's what Saul and his men were doing. 
and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works, and then, then I will prophesy unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Listen, Saul and his men, they didn't leave that place changed. It was only an outward thing, and, and it, it, was, it was not a matter of the heart. Listen, the matter of the heart is that the heart matters. It's, it's got to be on the inside of us today. We can, we can come to church, and we can go through the motions. We can sing the songs. We can stand up. We can pray. We can do all these things. But listen, if it's not a matter of the heart, it is all in vain. And we see it right here. Twice, I want you to get this, twice before this, Saul has prophesied after he had been privately anointed by the prophet Samuel to be king of Israel. I'll give you the, uh, the reference point, 1 Samuel 10, and verse 5, 6, 11, and 12. Twice, let me say it again. Before this time, right here in 1 Samuel 19, Paul or Saul has prophesied after he had been privately anointed by the prophet Samuel. And again, watch, it, it happened again in 1 Samuel 18. Remember when the evil spirit from God had come upon him, he prophesied. The first time Saul prophesied, it was to confirm his calling. The second time he prophesied, it was to confirm his corruption. And this last time here at Naoth in Ramah, it was to control his conduct. The first time Saul prophesied, it was an honorable experience for him. The last two times he prophesied, they were dishonorable experiences. If you compare, now listen, if you compare the first time that he has prophesied to the bad of the last two times, that we, we will, you've got a picture of Saul's life because he's always turning the good into evil. He continually turned a blessing into a curse. His evil conduct drove Samuel from him. Are you still here? Say Amen. Hey, listen, when no other person, when no other man was more helpful to, to Saul in his reign than Samuel, because of Saul's evil conduct, he drove the man of God away from him. Listen, God, God help us. The best thing that we can do is to keep those who are, are close to God close to us. And, and if it's our evil conduct that's driving them away, then God help us to get right. I know people that, that are just content in where they are. So here's Saul. He's sent Samuel away. Saul perverted. Think about it. He continues. He perverted a vow of fasting, remember, into a decree to have Jonathan put to death. Yeah. I mean, when Jonathan had just won a great victory for Israel, and here we've been watching as Saul, he tries to kill David over uh, over and over again when, uh, when David is the best warrior that Saul has, the best guy in his army, and he's, sent, he's trying to kill him. A lot of churches and church members today are like Saul in that way in that they drive away the good. A lot of politicians today use their authority over the people to hurt them rather than help them. Listen, God help us today. We are in a position to help people. 
Man, I'm thankful for that. You don't know how, um, oh, what's a good word? You don't know how uh, uh, good it is or when God gives you the opportunity when, when a church is, is trying to raise money to print Bibles for people who don't have them. You know, I've got a dozen in my office. That's just in my office. I've got a couple at home. I read them. I write in them. Listen, what a privilege that is. But there's some people today that, that they don't even have a page. They've heard, never heard about the name of the Lord Jesus. They've never heard about him. And, and, and yet, they, if you were to give them a, a, a book of John Romans, listen, I'm telling you, you would think that you have given them gold because they are that hungry for the Word of God. What a privilege and what an honor it is to be able to put on a piece of paper. Listen, you're printing Bibles to give to people who don't have one. Listen, Central Park Baptist Church will give $1,000 and praise the Lord for it. What a great honor. Yet we have one, you know, in, we could have one in every room of our house, but sometimes we don't even pick it up. Maybe just a few minutes of every day, maybe when there's trouble going on. Listen. We need to be in this every day, every day. I, I drive down the road. I was driving down the road this afternoon or this morning coming to the church. I've got a little speaker my, on, on my pickup. I, I hang it right up here, and it'll Bluetooth to my, my wife got it for me. It did a Bluetooth to my phone. I put the audio Bible on it and drive down the road listening to this guy. I was listening today, him read Matthew. What a privilege. A lot of people don't have that today. And you know what we're doing? I, I want to be a help. I want to be a blessing to someone who, who may not have uh, the ability to have the Word of God. And I'm thankful that God has given us the opportunity to be a blessing. But I want to be that blessing too in my own personal life. I want to be a help to people. I want to be a witness to people and tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen. We can do that every moment of every day. We go, by, we have opportunity after opportunity to tell people about Jesus. Can I ask you, do you do that? It, it, it doesn't hurt. I promise. It might hurt our pride. It might, we might have to die to this flesh and get out of our comfort zone. But I'm telling you, it doesn't hurt. Jesus hurt for us. God help us every once in a while to be okay if we step out of our comfort zone. It might hurt us a little that way to tell people that Jesus. Saul's in trouble. Uh, but listen, God help us. He went to the house of Samuel, the prophet of God, to get him. God help us to be a help, not a hindrance. Father, bless us, Lord, today. Uh, God, I pray that you'll... Um, Lord, for just a few moments, help us to be still and be quiet.